0: Welcome. This is an audio recording from the Northwest Coalition for Healthy Intimacy. The topic is How Emotional Connection Fuels Sexual Intimacy, delivered by Laura Brotherson, MS MFT Certified Sex Therapist, during our Restoring Intimacy Conference in September 2015. Other recordings from that event are available on our website, www.healthyintimacy.net. It's wonderful to be here. I'm grateful to be a part of this, uh, a little part of this organization. Thrilled that we have an organization that's willing to kind of take a little bit more of a a positive, restoring, healthy intimacy approach than just kind of an anti-approach. So I'm really grateful to be a part of this. Um, when I heard about it last year, I was like, I've got to be a part of this, got to be a part of this. So I appreciate that. Um, if any of you have listened to any of my little podcasts, you know that I start them out, all out with, we get to talk about sex. How fun is that? <laughs> so for me, this is fun. For about everyone else I know, they're like, really, what is wrong with you, Laura? So that's, that's how we go. Um, a couple of things just to kind of start with. I'm kind of originally a train the trainer back in Word Perfect glory days, if anybody remembers that company. Um, So I'm sure that all of you that already take notes, that's awesome. Just just as a side note, anything you write down, you're going to remember better than if you just hear it. So taking notes is awesome, but my little step up from that is I really want to encourage you to make kind of a separate column, maybe on the first page, just a skinny column, that becomes your action items. Because I believe that any time you're learning anything, you're prompted with ideas or thoughts of things that you specifically, personally need to do. And I'm... a I'm just I'm kind of a doer type person, so I'm like, if I'm going to go speak, I want you to take something out of this room that makes you different and better when you leave here. So it's easier to do that when you actually jot down what do I need to do with this information. So um, as is mentioned in the description of this um, of this presentation, we're going to talk about how emotional connection fuels sexual intimacy and how important the emotional connection is to sexual intimacy. Emotional intimacy is pretty much the primary fuel for desire, for female sexual desire especially. So I think as we go through this, I'm hoping that you'll see that it's really important to understand what this is and how to make it a bigger part, a better part of your relationship. And it's not just for women, even though we kind of tend to be the emotional intimacy people. Um, Sex is just sex without emotional connection in case anyone isn't aware of that. So the best sex is connected sex. And so if we don't have emotional connection, it's hard to really get that really great, yummy kind of connected sex that we're looking for. So that's what we're going for here. And I do also want to say that I realize not everybody is going to be in a position where you can immediately apply this, because you've got other kind of higher priority things that need to be worked on in the relationship. But what I'm trying to do is just provide a simplified template of what I think you can then take and personally apply into your situation, OK? so. What we're going to talk about today is kind of two parts. Number one, talk about just briefly talk in this first part about how pornography and sexual addiction can have a effect on the sexual relationship. And I'm going to do that by sharing a, a real case story of um, some clients of mine that were super darling and willing to share this. I've changed identifying factors, so they're still anonymous. But right at the time that I got asked to speak for this, this little dilemma that I'm going to share with you was going on. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is this is good. And I said, sheesh, guys, I almost wonder if you guys had this stuff happen so I could share it with you guys here, because it just felt like it would be helpful. So we're going to take a few extra minutes and do that. And then just a little bit, since this conference is kind of a lot about how society, the sexualization of society has had a real interesting effect on marriage and intimate relationships. We're going to talk briefly about that as well. And then my favorite part is to get into talking about um, how emotional connection plays into sexual intimacy. As they've mentioned, I'm primarily a certified sex therapist. So while I do a lot of addiction work with couples, I probably do more, let's have a really good, healthy, intimate relationship. And sometimes it's... And like I said in, that pre- in the previous session, sometimes it's two different ways of thinking a little bit. And so I just want you to kind of take that and add in the context that you need as well for, for your s- specific situation. And we'll walk through these, these steps for fuel in just a minute here. All right. So number one, uh, we're going to talk just briefly about Um, how pornography and sexual addiction affect intimate relationships. And like I said, this story that I'm going to share from Cam and Cindy, um, it's actually three parts. The first part was um, an email that the husband had sent me, struggling with addiction, just needing to kind of do some process writing, sent that to me. Um, His wife happened upon it, which she normally doesn't see this kind of thing. And her response to it is what I'm going to share with you secondly. And then they've actually done a lot of really good work. And then the third part is going to be kind of where they are now, six months later from that. So let let me start with that. Okay, here's Cam. I must admit that I'm on a long-term roller coaster ride. I'm sure none of you are ever going to be able to relate to this, but um, with Cindy, and I'm absolutely a contributor to the problem, but I am feeling like a pinball bouncing back and forth from day to week to month. I find myself at night dreaming about past girlfriends who flirted and adored me. Sometimes I insert fantasy personalities into my thoughts. I dream about intimacy and being desired. The sad reality is that many things intimately related with Cindy feel forced. If we talk during intimacy, it sours everything. Cindy is sterile and robotic sometimes. And kissing her is occasionally awesome, I appreciated that he added that, but many times is pretty basic. That's why I said it feels like I am sometimes kissing my cousin, which was a discussion in in our session. I am sure my addiction and our history is to blame. But I admit that I long for passion and warmth. And I fool myself into thinking that such emotions would exist with someone else. I know that's dangerous, I try to push off those moments, I know it is poison. It has been a month since we were intimate, and I am so hungry right now. I am in a dangerous place, and while I have stayed sober, I have flirted with simple jaunts into lustful thoughts, and have looked at some basic images of partially clothed ladies for a few minutes at a time, probably five times in the last month. We argue way too much, and I can't seem to find long-term peace. We are like two trains passing in the night at times. I often wonder how I got myself stuck in this situation. And the reality is that I was very attracted to Cindy, and I looked past all of the indecision and arguments that we had when we were dating and engaged. I am still attracted to Cindy, but I do have wishes that are poison. She isn't the same super fit, perky body she was when we dated. One of her sisters had a boob job, and I find myself wondering and wishing and jealous of that, and Cindy would never, ever go for that because she is too proper and she would say it is connected to my addiction and that no proper lady does that. She is often too easy on our kids too and that creates division between us. I just wish she was positive and proactive and willing to be tough on our kids and set a higher standard of performance. She'll just say I'm expecting too much from our kids. She tells me to go easy on them and stop criticizing. What I say comes across as criticism because it is expecting more from our kids. Cindy dreads my parenting suggestions because she's the one who has to make it happen. All around me, I see other women, other amazing moms, who do a lot more than my wife. Instead, I know this is fairly raw. I know this is pretty raw, but it's just how I've been feeling lately. Okay, so now imagine being the wife reading that and more. I didn't even read it all to you. So here's how the wife responded after seeing this. And just keep thinking in your mind what this would do to their intimate sexual relationship, okay? Um, This is Cindy. Cam has come a long way in his recovery. However, Cam is still blaming me for some of his issues. He is also sending strong messages that I'm not good enough. He is controlling, and because of this, I can't seem to let myself get close to him. I don't really know how. I am protective of my kids as well because he tends to shame them and tell them they aren't good enough either. Even if he doesn't say so with words, they feel it. Last night, I came across the email that he sent to you. Yes, I am sure you are cringing now. As I read the email, two things became apparent to me. He wrote that email from a selfish, addicted place. I was the source of all his problems, and his problems were extremely carnal and selfish. It is almost as if he doesn't realize that what he is writing is a fantasy. Second, his email confirmed to me that I am not crazy. Um, Dr. Carnes, Stephanie Carnes talked about this. Just sometimes the partner just needs to feel validated that all of the crazy making is actually real. That was very kind of actually helpful for her. Um, He actually does not does not think I am good enough. He has never said it in those words, but I have always always felt it. It actually felt really good to be validated. It is evident that I'm not the cause of all of our problems, all of the problems in his life and in our marriage. After reading his email, I was determined to be kind but very straightforward with him, and I would attribute that to a lot of the work that she they had done I mean that she understood she'd done enough work and had done enough educating herself that she kind of just knew what was going on, and it kept her out of a reactive place, which I think is, is really powerful. I walked upstairs, told him how I had been feeling this week. I told him about the trauma that I'm experiencing from his actions. He has not proven that he will protect me and love me. He continues to b- betray our relationship. I told him that even when he is sober, he still shames me, telling me I am boring in the bedroom and a bad kisser. Boy, how, how much of an aphrodisiac is that? I don't know. That might be tough. <laughs> Shocker, huh? Uh, let's see. Um, I told him, I told him I am not giving up on our marriage, but that his actions continue to destroy my trust and that a woman cannot blossom in a relationship with her spouse if there is so much blame and no trust. I then told him that I had read... His email that he sent you. He was extremely embarrassed, as he should be. In the long run, we both determined that we are not quitting. I asked him for a hug, and we hugged for a while. That was really hard for me, and that, that is really hard for her. But I know that I needed it. Hugs seemed to be a, at least a start to break down the barriers and heal our hearts. Here is what I wrote in my process journal after talking to him that night. I read a letter from Cam wrote to our, that he wrote to his counselor, our counselor. It was an awful letter. It came from the addicted cam, not the cam that I love. I also get teary really easy. My clients are like, really, Laura? You're supposed to be the one that's not crying. So too much empathy. I need to work on de-emphasizing my empathy. Um, but But it's cool to me because she knows that the addicted husband is not the same as the real one. That's cool it did validate it did validate all that i feel from him and the subliminal messages he does send me he truly in his addicted state does not think i am good enough i am not i am not in shape enough my breasts aren't big enough i'm not good enough in bed nor affectionate enough i'm not a good enough mother i'm not a good enough steward of my time but i am good enough i i am obedient i am caring i am wise and i know god is with me i am I am trying daily to improve, and from a long-term perspective, that is all that matters. I may never be good enough for him, but that's okay. Wherever our relationship leads, I will be at peace. I want a wholesome, happy marriage. I might not ever get it, but I have always been good enough." And then she said, oh, Laura, I want to write some more. Let me tell you more, because it's better now. So I said, "Okay, send me more. So this was many months later. She said, to update you since where we were at six months ago, It was interesting to reread my email because I knew that in that moment I felt strong. I think the Lord was strengthening me to be able to get through the trauma of reading that letter. I also know now that I needed to read that letter. It helped me to stop blaming myself and feeling like I wasn't good enough. Cam needed to know I read that letter too so he could be honest with himself and continue to make progress. He was stuck in a rut of not acting out but allowing his thoughts to run wild. He considered himself to be in recovery, but I, I realized later that he wasn't in full recovery. He was just abstaining from porn and, yet act, and acting out. Abstaining from porn and acting out, but his heart was not in recovery, nor was his heart in our marriage. I think you guys could probably relate to those two differences there. Cam started making some major changes when he realized that I was going to stay in a safe place and not let him in, when, as long as he wasn't safe. I needed to be loved and cherished. And it was about six weeks of him loving me and cherishing me, me truly seeing a change of heart in him, that I decided to open the door and allow myself to slowly get close to him again. I noticed that his thoughts were more pure. He started loving me for my strengths and my weaknesses. He started treating me like my opinion really mattered to him. Things were growing very well. Shortly after things started to feel connected again, and I truly thought the worst was behind us, Cam started a different addiction. We've talked about this today, as well. Um, He began putting all of his mental and emotional energy into starting a side business. I asked him to just work hard at his job, to work hard at his church calling, and to put the rest of the meeting of his mental and emotional energy into fixing our marriage and our family. I I went into a state of trauma again when he just couldn't do that. He stopped cherishing and loving me again, but this time for a different addiction. I was heartbroken. I do have to mention that that I had a moment, though, that strengthened my resolve to be true to myself and what I feel. I kind of call this what we've talked about today, you've heard a little bit, I call it the gift of crisis. You might also cure the gift of uh, desperation, the gift of, you know, difficulty. Um, But she had a couple of these. Cam was trying to start a second side business, but I stood my ground and told him it would not work for me and I am saying absolutely no. He was angry with me, but I stood my ground, kindly, and I realized for the first time that being true to yourself is extremely rewarding. It has made all the difference in our marriage as well. I am no longer a pushover. I am strong and confident in what I need and feel. Cam also seems to take me more seriously when I state my opinion of what I can and cannot do. Cam was out of town for a few weeks for work, and I had another awakening while he was gone. I had been living in victim mode. You know, addiction goes back and forth between husband and wife, a lot. Um, When Cam isn't being the kind of husband or father I needed him to be, I play victim and feel very resentful and angry with him. While he was gone, I had no choice to pick up all the slack and do the job of two parents. I took myself out of victim mode and started to feel empowered. I found myself very happy, happier than I had felt in years. While Cam was gone, he kept in touch daily. He checked in, me, in with me regarding his addiction, and there was a moment when he admitted that he started searching the internet for inappropriate terms. But I asked him where his thoughts were, and I asked him if he would do something for me. I asked him to look away when he noticed something he was noticing instead of entertaining the inappropriate thoughts. He was frustrated. He tried to tell me that his actions weren't that big a deal, that he had come a long way. I told him that he had, but that he had an opportunity to leave it behind or to go backwards and start relapsing. We talked again the next day, and he was better. I had I had my husband back again so quickly. I, I see things so clearly now. Years of experience, educating myself through counseling, reading books, and reading books makes things more so obvious. I also feel empowered at home, not being a victim. Cam is staying clean. He's keeping his thoughts in check and staying away from the addiction. He continues to go to addiction recovery meetings every week. And now, I am currently helping my sister, whose husband is addicted to porn as well. I am amazed, what step are we on here? Twelve step, helping others. I am amazed at what comes out of my mouth as I help empower and educate her. Addiction recovery is a journey. It may take years, but my marriage is starting to flourish. My kids are protected from the devastation of divorce. And I have learned more about myself and more about relying on God to help me heal. I think things are going to just get better from here. I will still have moments when I relapse and forget what I have learned. But that's okay, as long as we both keep moving forward in the long run. So that just, I think, gives us kind of a little bit of a template, a little bit of a backdrop to now talking about some other things. But before we dive into that, let's talk a little bit about, well, I want to say one other thing. Uh, We've heard it a little bit today, but I want to make a point again. Nobody wants to have an addiction. Nobody wants it. It's an unwelcome guest. And I think it helps when we can have compassion for each other. Because we both have stuff that makes our marriages tougher. So, and, he, and this man, this, this husband's a good guy. But yeah, addiction's tough. But I just want to kind of throw that little balance in there as well. Because we don't need more shame on top of addiction. It's got plenty all on its own. All right, Um, so we've talked a little bit about just to give you kind of a picture, an overview, a blueprint, if you will, of the effects of pornography on an intimate relationship. But let's kind of take it a little bit broader. What are some of the effects of just our sexualized society on relationships? Here's, this is just, this was a great, this is another handout that I'll send you, Um, but just a great compilation. Somebody compiled a bunch of the research on pornography to just kind of give a tidy little handout of what some of the effects are on that intimate sexual relationship in marriage when there's pornography in the mix. And of course, all of these won't apply to everyone, um, but it's helpful to think through. Um, Number one, rating, rating our partners as less attractive. But that's a tough one, because most women don't really feel super attractive, so you add that on top of it, and that does kind of make it even tougher, which we'll talk a little bit about. Being less satisfied with your partner's sexual performance. Greater desire for sex without emotional involvement. More sex callousness. Trying to get partners to act out scenes from pornographic films. Greater acceptance of sex outside of marriage, marriage for married individuals. More likely to have an affair using more sexual terms to describe women, less child-centeredness during marriage, and engaging in more behavioral aggression. So just to think kind of about the context of what that's going to do as we move into trying to create a really great, healthy, intimate relationship in marriage. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, so what are some of these effects of just the sexualized uh, society culture that we live in? Here's just a few of them. Um, number one, unrealistic expectations. Boy, having sex with a human that's your spouse is a way different than having sex with somebody on a screen that isn't even real. It's just a whole different animal. And so if you think about how much our society is Pornography is being the sex educator. That's a big problem. I have too much work as a sex therapist to undo. So, definitely, uh, unrealistic expectations is a big, big challenge in the couples that I work with as well. And and of course, you know our media. I mean, I do have a chick flick lecture that I won't give to you. I'll I'll save you from that today. But I do. Our media is kind of a culprit of everybody always looks hot and bothered all the time. Well, as soon as we get into when we talk about the emotional fuel for desire for women, you're going to see that we are going to run into a problem really quickly. Okay, Um, Body image issues. There's not very many women on this planet that don't have some degree of body image issues. It's hard to live in our society and not have some degree of body image issues, because we're competing with photoshopped images. That's tough. So I don't know, getting naked in front of somebody is probably not the safest, easiest thing for people to do, especially if they're not really feeling much desire at that moment. So you know, and if they're worried about how they look and how you're going to think they look, and they're worried about what else you've seen that looks way better than how they know they look, there's a big, there's a big factor there. Society has cheapened sex. It's distorted it. It's twisted it. And I think for me, more than anything, it's taken the goodness, the wholesomeness, the positiveness, the godliness out of sex. And I don't know if you guys can remember the last time you heard something positive said about sex. How long is it? Can anyone remember a positive, fairly semi-public statement about sex? Really, people? No one's going to... Did you say it? (laughs) Do you want to share what? The AACC conference. Ah, another conference. Okay, another good conference. So do you see our dilemma here, people? We've got constant, 24-7, negative, destroying, pornified, not real for real intimate relationships with real couples, and... No, nothing to compete with it. No counter attack. That's a problem. So I'm hoping one of the things that you guys all put on your action item when you leave here, we'll talk about this in a second, but be advocates, positive advocates for sex and healthy sexuality, especially in marriage. I mean, we we need a little bit of a counterpunch to all of what's currently going on out there. All right. So what do we do? I'm kind of a how-to girl, what are we going to do with this? So if we have kind of these influences, how do we counter them a little bit? So here's a couple that will just briefly go through, but number one is if you will read and learn about healthy sexuality yourself, that's a big help, because then even your brain and your energy about sex is positive. I have, I know there have been um, sexual addiction groups that use my book and would make all of the men read my book just so that they had a counter to what the sex was that plays over in their mind, okay? Um, So that's number one. Number two, create a good, healthy relationship in your own marriage. Do the best you can with that. I know, I I said this before, I, I truly believe everybody is always doing the best they can in their current moment and current circumstances if we were privy to everything that's going into that moment. Okay. I I think people are doing the best they can. But if you can really make it a a conscious effort to work on your marriage, work on your intimate relationship, and make it great, make it awesome, make it the kind of relationship that your kids are like, I want to have a marriage like my parents. That's what, we, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm working for. And I know we are all at different stages, and that's OK, too. Number three is speak up. I had a darling girl come up to me. Oh, I won't look at her, but she's a darling. And she came up to me before and talked about speaking up for um, a positive something about sex. And every once in a while, especially when I go out and speak, people will email me and they'll be like, Laura, you'd be so proud of me because I was here or there or at this thing or that thing. And I, I was so nervous and I was so embarrassed, but I said something and I said, no, that's not true. Or I said something positive and I, I defended sex. Okay, really, here I am. I'm saying, can you guys like go out of here and defend sex in a positive way? And I know that's a tough tough thing, but I just want your brain to be churning along that line and that maybe one of your homework items can be when you leave here is sometime in the next 24 hours say something positive about sex to somebody, whether it's your spouse, your kids, something about this conference, whatever it takes. We just need to get a little bit more positive sexual energy out in the world to counter everything else. Okay. Um, Number four, stay positive. Try to stay out of that What's out there a lot is very fear-based, negative thinking about sex and love making. And if you were in my earlier class, and I will send this handout to all of you that you can do this as well. But, and, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute. But programming your thoughts to be more positive. I have a lot of clients, especially women, who you know we don't tend to think about sex as often. And when we do, it tends to be not super positive. And I'll have them listen to things like my little podcasts on my website, The Marital Linda Missy Show, or to list, download my book and listen to it, just so that you've got some counter programming going into your system. And you can do the dishes or drive at the same time. So it's nice, multitasking right there. OK, so those are a couple of things that you can do with what we're talking about here. So now what we're going to talk about is moving into this this fuel, this emotional connection, and how it's the fuel for female sexual desire. And I, I added to this, this is a handout I give to my clients all the time, and this is a handout I'm going to send to you. Um, but this is kind of, I'm going to walk you painfully through what it takes for women to get in the mood for sex. Because we're not, men and women don't tend to be the same. Has anyone ever, has anyone else noticed that? I, I don't know. You know, you just, you got to kind of accept that. So you know. Especially as a sex therapist, when I hear some things that kind of diminish the differences, I'm like, OK, people, you know, we're pretty different. And, and there's always exceptions. And again, I'm just giving generalizations. And, and you might not apply exactly to this. But I still think it's helpful to have the template to walk through in your mind. OK? So I hope that we're going to be able to help you understand that this emotional connection, this feeling of warmth and I really like you-ness to your spouse, is a huge part of how women feel desire. Men have a little bit of an advantage as of a physiological push or motivation for sex. Women don't tend to have that as much. Our drive for sex tends to be, uh, Rosemary Basson, I think is her name, um, is, she's done a lot of research on this, and and women's sexual drive tends to be a little bit more um, responsive than proactive, Okay, So we tend to respond to an advance better than we initiate an advance. I talk about this, I use this analogy of getting from 0 to 60 sexually. So if you think about it, if a woman is trying to get from 0 to 60 sexually just for desire, we're talking phase one of the sexual response for a woman, Then if if a couple is not really getting along, you're not really nice to each other, you don't really have any warm fuzzies at all, then that woman is starting at zero or minus something. (laughs) Just saying. So then when she has to kind of move into desire, she's got a lot more work. And husbands, you're going to have to help out a lot in here. Okay. So we're going to kind of help you see, husbands. I especially hope that when you leave here, you're going to be like, aha, now I get it. I see why my wife literally, I don't think she's ever in the mood. And women, you're going to leave here and you're going to be like, aha, that's why I'm never in the mood. <laughs> but, but the good news is that we're going to help you learn how to be in the mood and to do what, it, what you need to do to get in the mood, because you just need to know what the steps are that help you to get there. Okay? And I tell clients this all the time. I'm like, listen, husbands give me crap about stuff. They're like, oh my goodness, this is so difficult. Can it, does it have to be so difficult? And I'm like, listen, God couldn't make both men and women like men, because nobody would ever get anything else done. <laughs> we would just have sex all the time. So that's why. Now you know, Okay. Um, Here's the overview. Step zero is the emotional climate. This is kind of what I'm talking about. This is the outside the bedroom kind of relationship. You notice it's not a step, and we'll talk about why in a minute. Step one, guess what your step one is, women? You mentally have to decide to go there. Oh, and by the way, you don't have any desire to have sex at that moment when you're deciding. No big deal, right? Step two, we need a little bit of emotional foreplay to talk and reconnect for that moment, for that occasion of lovemaking. Step three, we now need to be touched into it. So if we think about, you know, kind of a zero to 60 just for getting into desire, well, actually, if we look at these steps, these four steps just to get to desire. After desire, we're going to go into arousal. Well, we don't even get to desire, and so we're going to put the arousal on a 0 to 10 scale. So we're not even getting to desire until we're maybe a 3, 4, or 5 on the arousal scale. Um, step 0, relationship climate. This is kind of that state of the relationship, OK? Female sexual desire is primarily fueled by warm and emotionally connected relationship. This is if a woman generally feels like, I really like my husband. He's so nice, and he took out the garbage today, and he read to the kids tonight. I mean, I feel really bad for husbands, and I tell them this all the time, too, because it does sort of seem like the stars, all of them, have to be aligned. But. I'm just telling you what is. I'm a big fan of what is, and I want you to be able to work with what is. So it seems like it, but there is actually a method to the madness there. Okay, Um, So sex has kind of an 80-20 rule I like to talk about. Um, I also want to let me just mention, too, that this step zero, I specifically make this step zero, because I want you to understand that this is the environment, the context of your relationship. It's not actually something specifically related to having sex tonight. Our step one is that sex is a decision. So if you don't get this step zero, then step one gets a lot tougher, Okay? Um, This 80-20 rule, it's not probably empirically supported yet at this moment, but it's a good analogy. All right. All right. So sex is an 80-20 rule, which means that 80% of sex, now keep thinking about being a woman for a minute, guys, if you can. And women, I want you to think about being a woman, too. Okay? Um, but your 80-20 rule here is that 80% of sex is mental and emotional for us. Sex starts here, for women especially. 20 rule is physical and sexual, and we can work with that. We can get to that. But boy, if we can't get that 80% down, we're in big trouble. Okay, Um, Women often do not feel like it, because what we need to know is that we're four steps away from where our husbands are right now. Just kidding. Um, You know what I mean. I mean, women are, there are four, four steps that we have to get to, to, go, to get to where our husbands are. Now, if men and women don't know this, then women, we think we're broken, don't we? We're never in the mood and we don't know why. And our husbands are happy to help us think that way because they think we're broken too. So there you go. Um, so you need to know this. You need to know that there's a little bit of work to get you there. Um, now, I want to say a couple things here. Number 1, I also work with a lot of really great husband really great couples where they've got really good marriages and addiction isn't in the mix and we still are having a hard time getting the sexual relationship to go real well because women are the trump card here. If you think about 80% of good sex is your thoughts, that's 80% women. And and I just, uh, I struggle to say this because I don't want to give men an out where they're like, see, it's all you. But I, because husbands, you got to realize if this is, if what I'm saying is true, then you guys have a big role that you play in helping a woman want to say yes. Because if, if we just have to flip a switch to yes, and you're not really that nice, then, and we don't have any physiological drive working for us, we got a tough time. But if you're helping us out, and if you're helping us want to say yes, because again, a lot of the reason that we would say yes to sex is because I, I just really like my husband and I want to meet his needs and I want to be a, I, I want to I take care of him. And so yeah, I'm going to go there. And once you know what you're going to know today, you're going to know that it's come the good stuff is coming for you. But you just got to work your way down the road a little bit, all right? Um, Living, so this concept of zero to 60 is an important concept because if you can develop the relationship, and maybe you need counseling to help with this, that allows you to both feel like you're getting your needs met and that you're in a good connected state, then a woman, then you you as a couple, you get to live at like a 30 or 40 on this zero to 60 scale. That's awesome. That means like tonight when, you initiate or you say hey you want to get lucky and she's like at 30 40 it's not super hard for her to say okay i don't feel like it at all but i know that if you talk and touch me into it i'll get there then it's easy but if we're working at minus 10 and we've got to go and 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 husband says hey do you want to get lucky oh my gosh how about next year I'm just I'm just trying to say it like it is so that we can work with it a little better but so that's kind of the gist of it if we can get this step zero down okay all right so let's move on to step one make a conscious choice we have to decide to go there often without any sexual desire in hand or anywhere else and we have to uh, we have to just say, okay, yeah, I'll flip the switch, I'll go there, I'll open that door. Um, I, uh, one couple, when we were going through this handout in, in session, and um, she's like, well, after actually, we had gone through this already, and they went, they'd gone home, and they came back the next time or whatever, and they're like, yeah, I can say to my husband now, okay, honey, I can flip the switch to yes, but you have to talk and touch me into it. And that's kind of what it becomes sometimes. Is that is that the husband can help a lot now that they know what they're working with? Okay. So some of the common roadblocks for a woman to decide. I should have put number four first because it's kind of what we've just talked about. But obviously, if husband was a jerk that day, it's really hard to say, sure, yeah, I'll go there. Ugh. Okay. Another big one, and my the other thing that I'll send you with this uh, when you sign up. Um, sign your email on this is I'll let you know when my next book is coming out which is going to be hopefully fairly soon. I walk through exactly all of these um, kind of roadblocks and the things that you need to be doing for a woman to be able to to um, say yes. Um, And there's 12 T's. In my first book it was talk, touch, and time. There's 12 of them now guys. I'm so sorry. And women. Um, Number one, lack of understanding about women's sexual wiring. So if people don't know what you're going to know here today when you leave here, then you can see why it's a lot tougher to be able to move forward and create a good intimate sexual relationship. Number two, this is a huge one, this is chapter one in my next book. Many times, and not not everyone is this way, but a lot of times, women, because there's so little positive affirmation about sex and about our sexuality, and we are we tend to take to heart more of the stay away and ooh it's bad. And so we're so far away from it, and we're already four steps away from it, as you can see, that that we don't even have a foundation to build on. And so when when women haven't embraced themselves as sexual beings and feel like it's a good, wonderful, godly thing boy, everything else is tough. And that's why I I put a little bit of the pressure back on women because, again, there's a lot of times where husbands are doing almost everything right, and women still can't go there because that's good girls don't. The title of my first book was going to be Good Girls Do, and my husband's like, honey, I think we need to go in a little softer on this, Okay. (laughs) All right, fine. Next book will be Good Girls Do. Number three, struggles with body image issues. Obviously, this is a tough one. I have a couple of podcasts of my marital intimacy show. I think that there's three or four of them that talk about body image issues and lovemaking. And I talk about a couple of um, kind of, kind of um, actions, uh, exercises that you can do to kind of work on body image. Because basically, you've got to just kind of be OK with what is. And it's the best way that you change and get better from there and it's the best way to really be able to fully engage in lovemaking when you kind of are just okay with yourself as imperfect as you are and we all are. We all are. So, um, number four we already talked about. Number five this is a tough one guys. Um, About a third of all women do not regularly have an orgasm. So guys how would you feel about sex if you rarely had an orgasm how often would you want to have sex it just kind of changes the dynamics a little bit when a lot of times if couples aren't both having a mutually fulfilling mutually enjoyable relationship it's tough to want to go there again okay Um, number six because we're talking about, you know, compulsive behavior and addiction, I threw this one in as well. When there's struggles with trust and connection due to addiction, I just want to kind of put that back into the into the picture and think through what that would be like for a woman if she's still in a state of betrayal trauma, um, and how much more difficult it makes for her to want to go there sexually. Okay, you know, and again. I think that there's hope. There's a lot of hope for couples still, but but I want you to think through what that would be like, especially especially if you're the one not if you're the one that um, is dealing with the addiction, and your spouse has to kind of walk through that. Um, okay, so if What happens if a woman doesn't make this conscious choice and decide to go there? If she doesn't flip the switch to yes, it doesn't necessarily mean she won't have sex. We've talked about this today obligatory sex. I like to call it duty sex and dead fish sex. And I know none of you have experienced this, and that's okay. You can just take my word for it. But um, this is kind of what happens when we don't actually flip that switch and say, yeah, I'll go there. You get you know it's like um in in my first book i share a little story in there where the husband kind of wakes up the wife in the middle of the night or as she's going to bed and she's super tired and she's like okay fine you can you can do what you want with me but just don't wake me up <laughs> what about i mean who does that that's that would be in this category okay um so what are some helpful hints for making it a little easier to decide to go there um, with our step one here number one for a lot of couples it can be helpful to schedule sex now I know this doesn't work for everybody and there's you know we we kinda have to walk through this a little bit in in session to figure out if this is gonna work for them but scheduling sex is helpful for some couples because a woman already has it decided we've already done step one for her And that's helpful for some. She already can kind of be mentally preparing. Because remember, 80%, she's got to go 80% or those four steps mentally. So sometimes just knowing that we're going to have sex after date night or whatever, or on Sunday evenings or whatever, um, it makes it a little bit easier. And it can also help a husband to stay out of what I call um, hungry dog syndrome where he's starving to death all the time he has no idea when he's going to get it again and that makes it tough on both of them because they're both kind of crazy and he's making it worse for her and she's like done with him so this can also help make it a little bit easier some some couples don't like that some it's too much pressure for a woman and some husbands will say i don't want to know because if she doesn't and won't that night? And I'm counting on it. That is really too hard for me. So that's another thing you got to kind of think through. Number two, positively reprogram thoughts about sex. Okay. Um, I want to do a little bit with this to kind of help help with this as well. Um, since sex starts in the mind, a woman also obviously has a lot of power over her thoughts and. Women, oftentimes, not everyone, and I'll tell you, the ones that don't struggle with this as as much are the thing they usually have in common is they had parents that were open and talked to them about sex and made it a safe topic. So that's your job as parents, for those of you that weren't in my first uh, session, is to create that open space to talk to your kids about sex as well. women just need to know, like I say here, women need to know in their hearts and their minds, and men too. I mean, men don't get as much, men don't get any positive affirmation about sex either. It's just their physiology kind of makes them ignore the negative a little better. I I asked my husband once, because, you know, chapter one in my first book is called The Good Girl Syndrome, and, and I said, so honey, why do you think men don't deal with this quite as much? And he's like, Well, I don't know. It's like we probably hear all the same things you do. We just ignore most of it. It's like, all right, then. Yeah, and knowing me, I'm like taking it all to heart and I've taken notes on it and highlighted it, you know, and that's kind of what a lot of times, you know, women will do. So we kind of take it a little bit more to heart. Um, But we need to know that sex, we need to know in our hearts and our minds that sex is good, wholesome, and of God. And we need to remember who created sex because it wasn't the porn industry. But when do you ever hear that? And when do you ever think that? Now you're thinking it. I agree. <laughs> Should be a Baptist preacher or something, shouldn't I? Uh, all right. So. Um, I wanna do, so now, here's now where I'm gonna make you work. So everyone that was asleep, now you have to wake up because now we're gonna work. Um, I want you to, we're gonna do a little exercise and I want you to start compiling and this is something I give as homework. So this is free counseling. and save you a bunch of money right here. Um, if you go home, Husband, men and women, and men need this just as much, especially if addiction is in the mix. But I want you to take a, a, a new piece of paper because I want these to all be separate beginnings of something. But this new piece of paper, and I want to give you just a let's see, how much time do I have? I want to give you a, just a, a little bit to start writing out every positive thing you can think of about sex, lovemaking, your body, your sexuality. And I want you to keep adding to it. So I want you to at least write down one thing. And the title of this is My Positive Thoughts About Sex. Here's your title of this page. So everybody write that down on your page. My Positive Thoughts About Sex. Hey, you're looking at me. That means you're not writing. Just teasing. Um, And then number one, I think sex is great because. Number two, whatever. I'm just helping you out. And I'd like you to keep adding to this list. I have a lot of um, couples where I'll, especially for the the wives, I'll have them keep kind of a sex journal where they keep track of things that they like and don't like and learn their accelerators and their brakes and all these different things. But this is also one of the things, is to compile a list of positives about sexuality, about yourself as a sexual being. Do you have something positive to say about that? I hope so. Okay, so keep adding, keep adding to that. Um, Moving on to the next one, you can keep working on that, but positive focus during sex. Um, This is kind of, um, I often have to encourage women to have not only this kind of list of stuff running through their mind, but also to, in the midst of trying to decide, am I going to say yes to sex, try to get good at what I call mental discipline, the ability to choose a positive thought. And especially that's tough if you don't have anything to work with. Guys, help them out. Okay? So, having a positive, positive focus during sex, choose positive thoughts, choose healthy, productive thoughts that will help you want to say yes to sex. Instead of remembering what a jerk your husband was that morning because he didn't take out the garbage, try to remember how cute he was with that morning with your little one. Okay? So stuff like that, number three. Number four, obviously, husbands, you play a big, huge role here in helping your wives feel loved, feel cherished, feel safe. So if any of those three words are not Big in the vocabulary of your relationship, you gotta be working on those, okay? Gotta be working on those. All right. Okay, I'm gonna give you now another exercise because it's kind of related to what we just talked about. When you're trying to decide to go there, if the only thing you have in your mind is negative things about your husband, you have another hard time saying yes to sex, don't you? So take a new piece of paper, women, and men, you do this too. You're writing it about your wives. because you need, everybody needs to learn positive thinking. No, nobody does this naturally real well. So you can all probably get some benefit from this. So I want you to just write out five things you like, love, or appreciate about your spouse, or if you're single, about yourself, because that's the next list that I have people do, is when they don't feel real great about themselves, I want you to write five things that you like about you. Okay? I'll give you a few seconds there now this is also free therapy right here Um, I would encourage you all especially those that are feeling right now that they need it to do this every single day five things i like love and appreciate about my spouse okay and you can do it in your phone if you need to in the little note section that's another option okay all right so keep working on that keep doing that when you go home if you can um so let's move on to number (laughs) sorry that's a lot of work just to get to step two I am really sorry. I really am. Um, But it's all worth it, guys. It's all worth it. Okay, once you get this, this doesn't have to be like rocket science, although we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. But um, step number two is reconnecting emotionally and what I love this term, emotional foreplay. You know, I, I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, husbands are not staying awake for this whole conversation. So I had to start using language that would keep them awake. So I started calling this emotional foreplay because that is exactly what it is to a woman. Um, We need some degree, so so a lot of uh, people will ask me, okay, now what's the difference between this step two and the step zero? which was the emotional climate. That's kind of like the outside the bedroom relationship. How do you feel overall with each other outside the bedroom? But now, I mean, this is even just in, it's like 10 o'clock at night, you're both in bed, and it's like, who are you again? Wait, do I know you? You know, there, there is a disconnect that happens when you're apart, period. And so having a, a chance to reconnect a little bit, again, starts to fuel that fuel for female sexual desire. So, and I I mentioned this earlier, but sometimes women just need to be talked and touched into it. But if you don't know that, if women don't know that, they just think you're obnoxious and won't let them go to sleep. Um, But if you know that that's what you're dealing with, then yeah, you can just kind of sit back and chill. Because we're trying to do a couple of things. Well, let me say this one caution before I move on to that. But um, the caution here is that if you're not Doing step zero pretty well, then almost anything you try to do here at step two doesn't come across real, real good. Do you get me, guys? Do you get it? Do you get it? Shake your head if you don't get it. So it's got to be, because out, the outside the bedroom stuff, the step zero stuff, is the stuff that sends the message that says, I just like you. You are the cutest wife ever. I just like you, period. You're the best mom. Nothing about sex in there. But if all I ever get is attention at step two, then I kind of feel like the only reason why you like me is for sex. That's not real great for women. Just saying. Doesn't help us a lot. Okay, so that's your caution. So that's why step zero and two go together a lot. Now the, the purpose, there's, there's a really important purpose. In chapter three and four of my current book, I go through this whole process in a lot of depth as well. Um, so that might be helpful if you want a little more information. But the t- there's two main purposes for this warm-up phase, okay? So number one, a woman does need to reconnect emotionally with you. She needs to kind of be like, oh yeah, you're, oh yeah, I like you. Oh, yeah, you're cute, you're nice, yeah, okay, okay. hi, hi, hi again. You know, that's, that's almost how I feel sometimes. Where it's like, oh, hi, hi, honey, oh, yeah, I do like you. Okay, day was crazy, da-da-da, getting focused. That's what we're doing, right? We got to reconnect. Number two, I don't know if this is new information, women, we're the World Wide Web. All things are ever-present at all times, right? You with me? Guys, they're half asleep. When I say the word sex every now and then right now, they stay focused. They are able to compartmentalize. They've got one box at a time. They get to stay in that one box. So when they get into the bedroom, and we're now in the sex box, it's really simple. Really? Okay? So women, we get into the bedroom, we have 15 plates spinning. Or if you prefer a computer analogy, for the benefit of my husband, who's a software engineer, um, we have. 15 of these screens open in our mind at all times. And one of them isn't even sex yet. <laughs> Just saying. So we need to kind of, that's why we're talking. That's why you're saying, how you doing? How was your day? And we'll move into some more of how to do this. This connecting conversation, yes, we're sharing our day. Yes, we're saying, hey, how, are you, how was your day? How are you doing? I mean, do you know how many couples? Yes, you're going to say, yeah, that's me they don't talk at all. They get naked and they have sex and that's it. That's not the best way to go about it. That can work at times. I'm okay with quickies when it's not the regular fare. It just can't be the main course all the time. Um, So sharing your day, I had one wife, she said to me, you know what, Laura, I do, it does help to kind of have that sharing your day kind of talk, but I really need more specific talk. And so I've told my husband, I need you to just start telling me a bunch of nice things and I thought that was so cute, because I was like, that's just exactly what I talk about. That's, that's what we call pillow talk or positive flooding that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but this other one, sharing feelings, especially when, I'm work- when we're working with couples that are dealing with addiction as well. Um, feeling talk tends to be... Okay, men already tend to hate feeling talk. I know none of you in here, that applies to. But um, men already are not big on it, and so feeling talk or this this exercise i have people do all the time and i'll send you this as well is the nine core emotion exercise and all it is is just i mean you can both do this where you share uh, the last time you remember feeling fear the last time you remember feeling joy the last time you remember feeling sadness love passion and a, a lot of times It'll just be the woman that does this, just to save time. But it's also really nice to kind of go back and forth. So there's another tool for this connecting kind of conversation. Um, let me look at my time. I think I won't make you do this, but I would make you do this and just turn to your spouse and just share. Both take turns sharing one thing the last time you remember feeling any of those. Okay. So think through that and practice that on your drive home, if you're driving home. or on the airplane if you're flying home, whatever it is, okay? So that's one of the other tools you can use is the nine nine core emotion exercise. Okay, let's talk about a couple others. This one's one of my favorites. I don't know, um, I will send you this as well. This is my couple questions handout which I give out all the time because this is a fun way to have emotional foreplay in the bedroom as we're preparing to make love, good kind of love and maybe you just take one question and you're just like okay let's do go back and forth one question of tell me three things you like about me Ooh, that's a good one anyone likes that so that's great foreplay for us women and think about it all these window screens can you just feel them all shutting down as you're doing these activities yeah. Now you're not thinking about, what do I need to do tomorrow? Did I get the clothes out of the washer? Um, did I make lunch for the kids? I mean, this is what we're thinking about all the time, guys. It's not easy being a woman. I just want to tell you. It's hard sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. So these this questions is another way that you can kind of help do this. All right? Number four and number five suggestions are... Uh, go through a stress list or a happy list I, I actually do this with my husband kind of a lot I have a I do work on Fridays and so I have a little bit of a drive home so I can kind of get mentally prepared because Friday night is date night don't mess with Friday night it's date night okay you could, I, I hope you all leave with that too don't mess with Friday Friday night I know where you all are on a date with your spouse okay um, that's my big thing is date night. But, so I'll get home and I have a little bit of a decompressing time so I'm ready for date night. I'm all in, okay? I don't need four steps to get to date night. Go figure. Uh, my husband on the other hand, he's still working because he works at home, at, works from home. And so he is kind of still in work mode and we get in the car and we drive to somewhere and, and, uh, and he's not there. Kind of like how I think a lot of husbands feel about sex. Their wife's physically there not emotionally there. That's why there's a lot of work for us to do, that 80-20 rule again. So I'll say to him, OK, you're kind of not here yet. And he's like, I'm sorry. OK. So I'm like, OK, well, why don't you just do a, give me a stress list. And so I'll just kind of walk him through. OK, number one, what are you kind of stressed about? Number two, what are you kind of stressed about? Number three, what you? And we don't even get, need to get very many down into that list until now he's there. So this is the same kind of thing that can happen for a wife to get her. We're we're just trying to get her kind of focused like that. Happy list is another option, too. Positive flooding. I love this one. I talk about this in in my book. But it's just kind of a... The other thing about women is that not only are we not very affirmed and... Haven't really spent a bunch of um, time and effort developing our sexuality. We also are not usually super good at our at our physicality, which is related. So, what this positive flooding is is graduated acknowledging of physical of uh, characteristics. So that what that looks like is a husband might say five things that he likes about his wife's. Body appearance, not sexual things. I love your hair, your eyes are the prettiest. I love your smile and and see she's just starting to melt into this a little bit again, just kind of bringing that process in then, as and again, this is, husband here's your here's your challenge a, a man needs to be I have a whole chapter on this in my next book we've got to get better at being tuned into each other because when we're headed into lovemaking and you aren't good at reading your spouse, we do not want to stop and give you directions, okay? So you have to have a lot of conversation outside the bedroom to be able to do that better, but you need to know in the bedroom that, okay, she's warming up. I can move into a little bit more sexual Things that I like about you and now we're getting more comfortable with our physicality and our sexuality can you can you get what I'm saying where we're like okay yeah I am a sexual person and being and okay I'm connecting and I'm staying in focused and I've just got one screen in my mind and all of these things is what we're trying to do in step two okay any questions about that step three like I said we we have to go from you've we've made a decision to go there you've started to talk us into it and now we need you to touch us into it a little bit and and it's not just the men's job here but again we're working without any actual desire in hand you guys have plenty to work with usually so you need to share a little bit um so this is where we start with because we're not actually at desire yet we're still we're okay with the idea but we're not like i really want to now okay let's let's go so we're we're snuggling we're spooning we're back foot hand massage kissing caressing this is what i would call pre foreplay foreplay where you're touching her into desire not into orgasm yet sorry guys we're still not there yet you guys were done like an hour ago I am really sorry. It won't be this long in real life, I promise. Um, But you need to be able to read her well. You need to know where she's at and be able to kind of know if you can move forward, if you need to slow down. Because here's where the challenge happens for a man, is that if you just move forward at your pace, you leave us behind in the dirt. And what happens a lot is that it's like a man climbing up the stairs on the air in the airplane hopping in the plane shutting the door and taking off and we're standing on the tarmac so you can't do that if you want to have really good sex you can't do that so men your job here is bridling your passions and staying in sync with her don't leave her behind if you want to have that really good connected sex okay um Affection touch before sexual touch. Okay, here's another free therapy. Um, I give homework to men all the time. And I'll say, you cannot touch any of the good stuff for 20 minutes. So you better find something else to do that's helpful. Okay, you guys are all like, what the crap I'm doing now. I'm not supposed to say that word. so you've got to be doing more affectionate type touch instead of arousing type touch, unless she's moving forward quickly. Now, all this process can, can be a very short process once people learn it and get into it, okay? Okay, and then last, we're here, step four. We now have some feeling of desire. Yay! <laughs> yes! Um, we now want to, so don't stop now. But don't do anything stupid because we can go back to zero really fast I'm so sorry <laughs> and I know you don't know no experience with that we get derailed so quickly and I'm really sorry again I just go back to if we were both wired like men nobody would get anything else done and that's not good so here we are this is how we're wired and we're willing to work with it aren't we people um, so A woman is now more more in a three to five range on that zero to 10 arousal scale, and now couples can move forward into the phase of arousal that can move you to orgasm. And that would be a whole different presentation. Okay? Um, And this is, and and you're already laughing because you already saw it, but this is the husband that he turned to me after we went through this and he's like, Laura, I'm pretty sure it would take less to launch a nuclear strike. I just tell them, I'm sorry, I didn't make the rules. I'm just trying to learn what the rules are and working with them. And I, and I just want to testify to that, that if you can learn the the template, if you can learn the context of how we are wired, which is why my next two books are all about this female sexual wiring and then male sexual wiring, so we can figure out how they work and then work with the system instead of being frustrated with the system. We don't get any say in changing the system. In my earlier session, I talked about principle number one is the only one you can change is yourself. I don't think any of us have access to changing the context of sexual arousal in the grand scheme of things. So we just need to work with what is, Okay? All right. So review, what we've talked a little bit about today. And you can start thinking of any questions that you have that you want to fill in the blanks. Let's see, how are we doing on time? About 15 minutes good okay 10 so what so what we'll probably do is if you've got questions we're going to gather the cards from everybody um, but be thinking of that and start writing those down so just to kind of review just we talked a little bit about just I want you to have a feel for what pornography and sexual addiction does to now the template that I've shared with you, OK? That complicates things a little bit there. And then to just think about the, the society that we live in and how it's not super helpful to having great sexual relationships okay, in our, in our marriages. So I hope that you all leave here kind of an advocate of positive sex and do your homework. And if you want to email me, I think my email, oh, my email is Laura. strengtheningmarriage.com i think i have it on another slide but email me and tell me i'd love to hear about it that'd be awesome so here's our steps we've got four steps to get to desire we need that climate to be connected we need to make a conscious choice we need to be talked into it we need to connect emotionally we need emotional foreplay it's not great term i love that It's my favorite Um, step three we need some physical connection we need some physical arousal now we arrive at desire so now we can go from there that's good stuff okay now let's gather questions question do you ever think that the fuel for sexual desire is the same for men yes Yes, there are. This this perfectly applies. In fact, I had a um, new clients just before I left. Um, I haven't seen them yet, but they just had emailed me, and they're in the exact reverse. And we're we're basically going to have to just go through the same process in reverse gender. And that happens a lot. There is more and more it's women that are the higher desire spouse. And, you know, there are, I mentioned earlier, there's, there's, different, there's a lot of reasons that that can be the case, but um, it can apply in either situation, absolutely, okay? Let's see, examples of sharing positive sex. Let's see, what does that mean? Examples of sharing, examples of standing up for sex in a positive way, do we think that sounds right? yeah Um, examples of sharing positive sex Um, okay see tomorrow's Sunday I said you have to you know do it within 24 hours see how well you do if you go to church tomorrow but hey it can happen you might have a lesson on something sort of related And you could make a positive comment about it. You could have a a conversation with um, people you go to dinner with tonight. And they're all talking about blah, 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 blah," about sex. And you're like, you know what? I actually am really da, 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 da. It's possible. Perfect. Oh, yes. She said it could be very easy to just uh, having something positive to say to your kids about where you were. And something positive about sex. I mean, oh my goodness, if you guys could all say something positive to your kids about, I can't wait till you guys get married. It's the best thing ever. Really? No smiles on that or nothing? Ooh. Tough crowd. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, Yes, but that's, what, what, what? Where are we saying that? Or your grown, oh, especially your grown-up, especially your grown-up parents, for sure. Yeah, they're going to, they're probably going to have a little, a harder time at positive anything with regard to sex. Right? Okay. Oh, what was that? At work. At work. At work. You this weekend? Yes. Yeah, they'll be so jealous. I went to this conference. We learned all about how to have great sex. It was awesome. How easy is that? Come on, you can all do that. Really? All right. Um, Let's see. How can I mentally decide to engage in sex when it's been traumatizing and unsafe and demeaning in the relationship? This is now putting the realities back into what I've talked about today, is that this is where you're going to need some work. This is where it's going to take a lot of effort. And, And it might even require that for a time there isn't any sex until it can be not re-traumatizing and you get, this is tough stuff guys I this is tough stuff and and I hope that you're all getting help with it because it's hard to navigate on your own but yes this is real I I get you oh two. Um get this too this is hard to hear if you're not feeling safe enough to join in sex and I Apologize for that because I know that that's a potential context for this. Um, I just had to trust that somehow it would at least be valuable to have on a side burner as you work through some of these other things first. That that do kind of become a a higher priority to get to first. Okay. Uh, I apologize for that. That's tough. That's a tough reality. What if the roles are reversed and the wife is Initiating and the husband is rejecting and the husband prefers porn and masturbation Absolutely, that's a that's a common dilemma that that's one of the reasons for why husbands will have um, Less sexual drive than a wife is because they're already getting it elsewhere You know, it's it's sad it reminds me of I think something I saw on a talk show once and and the couple was talking about this that my husband would way rather have sex with himself than with me because sex with a woman you can see I'm sorry it's a little bit more work now to be honest guys this is why this is why to me it's so important that there be people out there that will stand up and say something and and stand up for positiveness about sex, because I think there is just, Satan has full reign and not much pushback. And so he looks like he's winning a lot, and that really ticks me off. So, all right, now I can't read because I cry so huge tears that I can't see. Um, my wife sometimes has a painful orgasm. Is this common? She's wondering if it's something wrong with her. No, this is a real thing. This is, um, we call it um, vaginismus is one of, the cause, one of the terms for it. But it's real. And um, it is something that you probably need to get some help with. And um, a lot of it has to do with being able to relax, too. But that's not all of it. And so it, I've got a couple of couples in this situation where it's just so painful. And a lot of times, one of the first things, the first steps for that is sending, um, couple, sending the woman to a physical therapist that specializes in pelvic uh, floor and can really identify and make sure there's not physical things going on, because a lot of times there are. And they're so small and so not noticeable that most of the time the OBGYNs will not know. Because it's kind of like going to a marriage counselor that isn't a sex therapist. They're good at marriage counseling, but they don't often know enough about sex therapy to identify things. Same with um, Stephanie talked about you go to see a therapist and they're not specialized in addiction they don't look for certain things they don't notice certain things and so but that's a real thing that's a a real situation okay I'm this all the questions that we have yeah okay I've got one more so we might be able to just finish after this then Okay, your talk makes sense mentally, but emotionally if my husband did step 0 to 4, I think I might feel manipulated. How can I shift to a more positive response? And and that's totally understandable if the if 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 we've got addiction going on and a bunch of betrayal and trauma and stuff like that, then then all of this is going to feel like I, I can't go there's a you may be in a place where you just can't do any of this right now and that might be possible for some people at certain stages so it's okay i'm again i'm just a big fan of being okay with where you are and if that's where you are then you just need to work with that and you need to go slow and hopefully your husband will be patient and understanding and and understand that it's i'm hoping that if husbands get this they're gonna have a little bit easier time when you can't go there because they get why it's so hard for you to go there okay any other questions comments yes who wants the door locked and who doesn't want the door locked (laughs) I'm just kidding you don't need to answer that okay you need to have the door locked people your kids will not die And if you, remember what I said about we're easily distracted? We hear one peep, it's over. You're starting at zero again. You know this is true, right? I'm not telling you anything you don't know. So you need to have a safe physical environment. I had one couple where that was exactly, it's just like, I just, you know, they were, we had been working on things and she was like, Oh, I'm just struggling. We did it. And then I, I was like, okay, let, let's backtrack. And so then I was like, walk me exactly through what you guys do. Like, give me the lead up here. So then I was like, her, she had little kids coming knocking, uh, coming on the door, knocking on the door. I'm like, are you flipping kidding me? No, we gotta lock the door. So yes, lock the door. Okay. Everybody got that? Lock the door. All right, anything else? <laughs> yes? Right yes, and there's two, th- I have two lines of thinking on this. Again, one of them is a little tougher if I have to think through addiction and the other one is so if I let me leave out addiction just for a minute just to give you a principle and then you can decide if it applies for you but I, I, I and I said this earlier is I genuinely believe I don't have access to both people most of the time when I'm doing marriage counseling but I truly believe that if we have access to one person and they're willing to make significant pro- positive changes they can't help but to change the other person because you've messed with the system. So now every time he kind of gives you an attitude, instead of your normal response of, you're such a jerk, and now all of a sudden you're like, hey, no problem, or hey, thanks for da-da-da, and you totally change the way you do things, you can't help but change that other person. But I now go back into the addiction category. There are times where you're, you can't change everything you can't do it all for them. If they don't want to get help, if they don't want to do the recovery, you can't do that for them. Okay, personality. So then the other thing, one of the first things, the homework I would assign to you is guess what? I just assigned it to all of you. I would have you start doing five things I like, love and appreciate about my husband every single day. And maybe I'd make you do 10. Okay? Because you can change the way you see things. Remember that 80-20 rule applies not just in sex, but 80% of our life and our relationships are about what we think and feel. We got a whole bunch of power over that. Even if he doesn't deserve it. If you want to be married well, while he's a jerk, you can technically still be married fairly well. Do you get the concept? Without the perfect application, I know that doesn't apply to everybody and isn't a perfect application. Anyways, let me let let me close here. Thank you all for coming. Please go out and make things better for you. I I wish you all the best. I God bless you all for what you're probably dealing with that every no one is privy to maybe. And I know that there's hope. I've seen it. So just go do the best you can. Make it better. It's awesome. You have been listening to an audio recording from the Northwest Coalition for Healthy Intimacy. For more information or other recordings, please visit our website at www.healthyintimacy.net. Thank you for listening.